Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. <laughs> I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Oh, that was hard to get through. Was that rough? That was rough. Um, all new words. All new words. All of them are new, except for guide. Guide stayed the same. Well, that's good. At least you have that like touchstone yeah. in the middle to know but what you're saying. Before and after, I'm just on my own. We changed our show. We changed our show. Welcome, everyone. This is a new universe you're entering here with us. Uh, I We should take a few minutes to describe, because I think while, while the song parody that someone brilliantly composed, Sydney, uh, <laughs> did so much to explain uh-huh. what we were going to do. Uh, it really didn't at all, actually. It didn't. It just explained the problem we were having. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very well. Uh, and uh, we we thought we should explain that um, Riley is going to be 20 this year. Yes. This is the last day of 2019 as we're recording this. So this is really your fault if you want to talk oh, about like okay. blame, like who's to blame. <laughs> All yeah. right. Um, sure. That's true. Taylor and I are still adults. Like we've always been adults. Yeah. So this no, is. No, that's, that's fair. That's fair. It is my fault. And. It really is true, while we were kind of poking fun at it, it really is true that Riley has fallen out of touch. I really have. <laughs> with what 16-year-olds are doing. It really does take me a lot of effort to figure out what people are doing now, well, teens are doing now. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like when I am when I, when I I have knowledge about the same things that, that you have, then that's, <laughs> we we're in trouble. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's not, Riley, I should say, like, we're joking about how it's your fault. It's a good thing. Uh, Should I be more like Jojo Siwa? Should I be more like 16 but still 12? Should I? No, see, that'd be weird. A little bit of that. Is she 16 yet? Because I thought she got that car, but she wasn't yet able to drive it. She's 16, right? Uh, We can't talk about, we're not talking about teen culture. This isn't our show anymore. All I know is my five-year-old loves Jojo Siwa, so that's weird. Yeah, she's 16. Okay. Well, it's, I think it, I think that's the difference though. Like from the years of like 12 to 20, that eight year time period you change yeah so much more than like you change from like 30 to 38 or whatever yeah you know? i mean this this decade everyone's talking about the end of this big decade i mean i started this decade and i was nine and i am now you know <laughs> going to be 20 how this is that possible the most changes probably i have been through in my life so i think it is good that you are not necessarily in touch with what 13 year olds are doing i agree <laughs> sometimes i see their tiktoks and i just get scared <laughs> <laughs> but there is there is culture that has made us and shaped us and changed us as teenagers and young adults yes uh that is still worthy of conversation we've done that on the show before yeah we've done episodes on movies or tv shows or music what have you and and so we thought that would be a good format where we can continue to kind of talk about the still buffering process. Yes. As in like growing and changing and still content loading. loading. <laughs> Full disclosure, we played around with that concept yeah. <laughs> of content loading and fully loading and <laughs> loaded we, for a long time. It's been a good 45 <laughs> minutes before this episode. We were trying to come up with something and I you know, sadly came up with a thought. What if at the end we talked about being fully loaded, but then it was like the car, like the movie, like Herbie. Wasted. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
no, no for interpretation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing, no real good, nothing really good connected to that. No. That, that works for this show. But the, the thing is when you're younger, not just a teenager, but as a young adult, I think that movies and music and TV shows and art and literature and everything can have more of an impact mm-hmm. on who you become. Yeah. Not to say it doesn't affect us as adults. Of course it does. Mm-hmm. But it's been a long time since I've heard a song and it has fundamentally changed the way I look at things. Sure. And I feel like that that was a lot more likely to happen when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because I was still shaping things because yeah. i was still figuring out things uh your your worldviews become a lot more fixed as an adult for better or for worse uh but we thought there was a lot of culture that occurred through the years when we were younger taylor and i and now currently for riley yes that we could talk about and not always necessarily the stuff we like yes yeah this isn't just uh just a celebration of stuff we like yeah <laughs> Well, and it's, uh, you know, it, it's funny because it makes me think of, uh, have either of you read the Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs book about kind of pop culture? No, huh? Now, the, the, a big idea in it is that specificity makes for things that mean things to us, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not just singing a song about falling in love with a beautiful girl and dancing the night away. It's about talking about, like, you know, like, you shared a soda at the Taco Bell at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, that's the stuff that really hooks us in pop culture. And there have been a lot of episodes in the past where we've talked about these really broad things, like an entire style of music or like fashion or whatever. And, it, you know, a lot of times it's like it's too much to really encompass. So I'm excited to kind of get into the specificity instead of just like listing, you know, here are a bunch of musicians that fell into this. And this is we all liked it for these reasons. Like it's like, no, I just hone into that. So, yeah, that's that's a really good point. Yeah. 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 I think I think that it'll be interesting to explore those kind of cultural touchstones that we encountered, and again, not necessarily in a good way, because there are some things I look back on that were very deeply entrenched into my psyche at a young age, like pieces of pop culture that shaped who I was that I had to kind of undo as -hmm. I got older. Um, And I think those are still worthy of discussion, because I think if you're from the same generation as me, you may have also fallen victim to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure that's happening now, Riley, to you as we speak. Uh, Currently, ah, actively uh so it's not it's not just necessarily our favorite things although some of them might be things we really like yeah other things might be things we really don't or used to or yeah. still like but now realize we're trash <laughs> yeah <laughs> not trash you know what i mean yeah fair amount of trash <laughs> so um, uh that's gonna be that's gonna be our new show yes and each week one of us will have to bring something to the table it's like a little rotational show and tell. Yes. If you will. To to bring an experience and discuss. And we will uh, always try to name what our next thing is. So if you'd like to mm-hmm. play along at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, we're giving you homework. Wow. Yeah. Fully adult show. Curses allowed. Encouraged. Nope. Yeah. Curses. Nope. Oh, nope. come on. Nope. Curses everywhere. No curses. What about just a few of them? What about just a few curses? Not even it, one curse. What about like a hockey sticks? What well, about you, like a, a curse that you place on someone instead of like a curse word? You can't do that either. But you, if you want to say H E double hockey sticks, no, I mean, but like the real word or like the butt word. Can we say the butt word? Can we say butt? You can say butt all you want. Well, no, you know what I mean. You know what I mean when I say the butt word. Butt. 
It's another, there's another one. <laughs> Gluteus maximus? Oh, never, fine. You know what? <laughs> sure. Bum? <laughs> I don't like any of this. <laughs> no. <laughs> I like bum. 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 Bum is good. Bum. If you want to say bum on this show, you can. Yeah, you know I don't want to. That's not what this is about anyway. <laughs> no, that was a joke we're not talking about. We're not using curses on this show. Fine, fine. Sadly. No curses. What are we going to do though other than not we're gonna continue not to curse <laughs> we're not curse thanks for joining us this one this week um it's my week this week yes i started what have you brought for us i have brought a song off of an album and potentially the album we'll just focus on the song it's called human and it's by my favorite artist Dodie, or her youtube name doddle oddle or her given name Dorothy, oh, whichever you okay. would prefer. Is Does she, she just Dorothy? Uh, yes. Her first like, name is Dorothy. I forget what her middle and last name is, but her sister, her younger sister, couldn't say Dorothy and called her, her Dodie. Her last name's yeah. Clark, right? Yes. Yeah. Called her Dodie because she couldn't say Dorothy. So now she is Dodie. Okay. Very simple one word so, artist. So she name. doesn't go by Dodie Clark. She goes by Dodie. Dodie. She used to go by Doddle Oddle. Oh. Now she goes by Dodie. Okay. That was her, that was her big rebranding. Oh. Um, yeah, this, this song came out actually in 2016. So it's three years old. Um, but I have been listening to Dodie since probably 2011 or 12. I was, I was very young. And she has been, um, I guess we'll just we'll dive dive right in, right? Is this what we'll just mm-hmm. go right in? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hey, okay, listen, um, we are we are creating this new making it up as, as we go. We go so. <laughs> um, she started on YouTube in 2007 was her first video, which is crazy if you think about because I was either six or seven in that year, and she's only five years older than me, mm-hmm. so she was like twelve. Yeah. When I looked up her because i had to google her yeah to find out some more info since i was not i I, did that research yes i heard you talk about her but i was not really familiar with her work or who she was so i i googled her and i saw the year of her birth and felt quite old (laughs) (laughs) yeah in in 1995 what was i up to not being born yeah Yeah, um, and I was not being born. That was what I was up to. So I was also not being born. Um, hey, look, there's something we have in common. something we have in common. <laughs> None of us were being born in the year 1995. Um, but she's been on YouTube half of her life, and that's where she got her start. It was She was a YouTuber. She wrote a lot of original songs, played the ukulele mostly. Um, she was the reason I wanted to learn how to play ukulele, she was her songs were the first ones i ever learned um she also was the first makeup tutorial video i ever watched she would occasionally you know venture into makeup or hair or vlog type videos and she taught her viewers how to do a cat eye with eyeliner uh and it was the first time i ever tried to do that i was probably like 13 um but yeah she was very influential on my my music growing up because I would ha- always have to go into YouTube and listen to her original songs and leave them open in my in my browser. She wasn't like a, an artist. I could go out buy her albums or buy her CDs mm-hmm. or download her music to my phone um, until very recently. So I- I've been listening to her 
for a long time and have I've seen her in concert also but on a side note can I ask uh I noticed that she does a lot of ukulele stuff yes. and I know you're you do ukulele stuff yes what what is it with you young people in ukuleles it's easy <laughs> <laughs> it's easy um okay. you young people love ukuleles well I mean it's only four <laughs> strings and so two less than a guitar right there it's small Got that on my guitar, so can too. Can you play the bass, too? No, bass is big. <laughs> Same concept. Bass big, ukulele small. Um, <laughs> and I mean, most songs that you play on the ukulele are like the same four chords. Okay. Uh, no, it's it's very easy. It just comfortably fits into the screen when you're YouTubing, I think. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a YouTube-sized instrument. Yeah. It is adorable. It I mean, adorable. I get that. Like, if you're going small. for adorable, yeah. if that is your brand, yeah. then I can see the ukulele fitting that. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I, it's just a side note, because I feel like there was this moment where, like, I didn't know a lot of ukulele music. <laughs> And, and then all of a sudden, all I was music. surrounded by young people on the internet yeah. playing ukuleles, and I don't know, look at uh, like who started it, where did it come from, who, who was the, where was the patient zero with a ukulele? What was her name that won America's Got Talent? Oh, the teen, you, the teen that plays uh, ukulele, another teen that plays ukulele. Okay, um, teens love ukuleles. Teens love ukuleles. I will say though, Dodie is very musically talented and also plays piano and guitar. And mm-hmm. composes all of her music. So her recent music has like strings and stuff in it as well. And she composes all of that. Does she have backup vocalists or is that her layering her vocals? Uh, you know, I will say that is both. Both? Yeah. Yeah. I know she's done some songs with other people in them. Yes. Yeah. Um, but for, I mean, for a while when you're, you're making like, she was basically manufacturing all of her own music videos and production for a while, which I guess is what you have to do on YouTube. She was laying her own, layering her own vocals and writing the music and producing and recording and everything. It's impressively done. And it's, it's, yeah. I, I, I gotta tell you too, like Googling this stuff, I was reading the list of other YouTubers that she's worked with or yeah. like whatever connected to. And it was just like this I don't understand any of these words. I don't. Who are all these people? <laughs> this feels like a language that I'm not familiar with. But it's weird because I know those letters, yeah. and the sounds they make. But, um, but I picked this song because, um, it's kind of about the experience of like love you experience when you're a teen, that is very different, and you kind of realize looking back was maybe not like the best and wasn't actually like, like actual love it's kind of that teenage infatuation with another person mm-hmm. um she talks about in the lyrics how uh there's one line she says tell me you can't bear a room that i'm not in and she talked about in a video how that's like not a good way of being with the person that you're with you know you want to be able to be apart from each other and that's not healthy to not be able to not be away from them but when you're young and growing up that's kind of like we're in love. Tell me mm-hmm. you don't want to be anywhere that I'm not. And, and I think that's just like an interesting way of writing about love, I guess, because it's still written from that adolescent perspective, but reflective from an older person. I'm glad that that's how, how I'm glad that that perspective has, has been like laid over it, because when I just listened to the songs and read the lyrics, I was like, oh, this makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Like this is yeah. like there's a line about unzipping your skin and let me in and like oh no 
Yeah. But um, you're right. I, rem- I remember feeling like so obsessed with someone that it was just like, we have to be everything to each other. That is a right. very young love feeling. Yeah. I, I think I think that's true. It's, it is, I connected to, because at first I listened to it and I was like, well, this is very, it's nice music. It's very pretty. It's well done. She's talented. Mm-hmm. All those things. I can see why, why people like it. I can see why you like it. Um, but it, it does, like lyrically, those are not lyrics that I, as a 36-year-old, right. connect to necessarily. Yeah, yeah, no. but, but then I had to, I stopped and thought, but who is this music appealing to? Obviously, yeah. Riley, she's younger. <laughs> of course, when I was that age, yeah. that was very appealing to me. That is how I felt. Yeah. And that was part of that experience at times yeah. uh, it reminded me a little bit of like why i think people liked the idea of twilight so much yeah <laughs> well you have you have like a main character like who falls in love and then basically they get frozen into a teenage love mm-hmm. forever. forever right and that's, that's just it like the, and like they they yeah. feel the way about each other that you feel about your first love right for eternity and i can see where like there's a part of our psyche that goes well that'd be kind of cool so i'm sit and sydney's description of twilight is still a better romance than twilight (laughs) we should talk about twilight Uh, we should talk about twilight okay because you know that was influential on my adolescence (laughs) Um, give me me a give me a heads up on that one i might be sick that week (laughs) I'm uh, going to make you watch Twilight. That's what, that's what this whole podcast was about. You think Taylor should watch Twilight? You think, you think this is funny, Riley? She's also going to make us watch Grease 2, I feel like. I know. <laughs> oh, I so am going to make you watch Grease 2. Oh. It was so formative for me. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. Uh, sure. We can no, just but- claim anything was formative to make every, everybody watch it. Uh, <laughs> you know, shock treatment was also pretty Oh, formative. no. <laughs> um... But I mean, when I first heard this song, I was 15 or 16. And like, that's, that's very much, I was listening to it like, yes, yes, this, yes, yes, this is how I feel. Um, I will say though, some of her lyrics tend to be, I was trying to describe them to you before we started, Sid. And I kept saying the word weird. They're not weird. She writes music, which I very much like in a way that you would write like, like you would do creative writing almost like lots of metaphor and, and simile and like. Like body imagery is very prevalent in all of her stuff, but not because that's literally what she's writing about, but it's just because like, you know, the hidden meaning mm-hmm. is is all under there. Like unzipping your skin and let me have a seat. It's like, let me in. Let me see all the parts of yourself that are underneath there. <laughs> but also when you say unzip your skin and let me have a seat, it's like, yeah. a skin suit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a skin suit. Full silence of the lambs there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but I mean, I think I think you could draw parallels to that. And like, uh, for me, I, I it called me back to like, when I was in middle school, I first discovered, I think the first two like, prominent um, female artists for me that I discovered were Jewel and Alanis Morissette. Mm-hmm. Um, because even though Tori Amos and some of the other ones had already been around and Liz Fair and everything like I wasn't like those were my two starters. Yeah. Um, but then I got into music that was more aimed at me mm-hmm. as a as a young woman. Yeah. As I moved into my high school years, and like I I feel connections to that in yeah. this music. I feel moments of I know I was I was reading about like who are her influences. Um, I was not surprised to hear Ingrid Michaelson. Mm-hmm. You can hear that yeah. I think in the music. 
Regina Spector, I thought was really interesting because I could hear that. Yeah, I, I can hear the Regina Spector, but I, I always think of Regina Spector music as a little more adult. Yeah, like you know, yeah, it's it's a little it's a little more raw, and I would say that that's true of of a lot of the artists I was talking about from the '90s. But you also find love songs. Yeah, you know, you you find like Alanis wrote "Head Over Feet," <laughs> which You're- is. You know, it's just a love song. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, uh, uh, I think, because there's that Jewel song uh, about Catch You to Cold, and uh, I think that's a good barometer of where you're at on your romantic expectations. Because as I remember being young, like, how romantic, let's get a cold and we'll be together. And now I'm like, oh man, <laughs> if someone gave me a cold purposely, <laughs> so, so I like, stay home with them, that relationship would be over. <laughs> <laughs> I purposely infected you with a pathogen so we can chill. Oh wow, that's insane. That is that's a really good though. That that is true. That's the kind of hyperbole yeah. though that over that like is underneath a teen and mm-hmm. young adult relationships sometimes. Not yeah. always. I mean we're generalizing here. Obviously right. there are people who can have more mature relationships when they're younger, but most of us can't. I yeah. know I didn't. My my romances were all like I I, I mean like Titanic-esque yeah, you know like <laughs> Kate and Leo-esque like yes. that's how I felt about them like when they began it was the infatuation of the century and when they ended it was the tragedy of, of all time and yeah. that was every one and I think there are a lot of people who feel that way and I think it's important yeah. that you uh, feel the extremes mm-hmm. before you start to appreciate the subtleties yeah <laughs> Um, I do think it's interesting that she's 24 and is still writing music about kind of adolescence, though. Because um, she put out a song recently called Boys Like You, and it's about boys that are not good at being in relationships because that's kind of how boys are taught compared to how girls are taught naturally in society. Um, but I, I mean... I think that kind of calls back to like how you kind of maintain that sense of youth longer than just being young. I, I that didn't make any sense, but like you know, like you can still pinpoint those feelings that you had when you were fifteen and like told someone you love them for the first time when you're, you know, in your twenties. Oh, no. Like you can you can remember how that felt even if you don't feel that way anymore well and I, yeah i would even go a step further and say that i think that's you know there's at least for i felt like for, for me in my 20s and definitely for my friends in their 20s it's not like we all woke up one day in our mid-20s and we're like now we have adult perspectives on things i, I think right it's, nothing nothing those feelings don't stop just because you transition from 19 to 20 i think yeah. most of your 20s are still kind of figuring out all of those very intense adolescent mm-hmm. feelings you know i don't think there's yeah. any some great change and then you get to 30 and you're like oh i'm just this is just never going to be figured out this is just me <laughs> well yeah. i i do i mean this is my current theory as as somebody who is halfway through my 30s like i more than halfway <laughs> i <laughs> i feel like i didn't understand anything still in my 20s sorry riley i, I cool. if you were if you were hoping for inspiration okay. this year oh. i still was clueless through most of my 20s cool uh, in my 30s, I don't know if I figured it out or if I just decided, I don't think anyone has it figured out. Maybe we all fake it. Let's all fake it. Let's yeah. all pretend like we're grownups now because yeah. we're in our 30s, which I wonder if everyone around me is constantly Probably. doing. Maybe. 
we're all pretending because then like aren't we all due for a midlife crisis at some point soon like i get to my 40s and i go i can't fake it anymore i'm still a child where's my sports car <laughs> what or whatever say. you Buy do your fancy your- car <laughs> See, I, I think that's what a certain percentage of us, I, I hate millennials, but it's kind of like people are just like, oh, I'm not going to fake it. I still like video games and pizza. Like, this is just going to keep going. Like, I still don't, well, I still will avoid responsibility readily. Like, I'm sorry. It's, it's interesting, though. It's like, because that is, I mean, we've talked about for a long time, the expansion of the teenage mm-hmm. years and then the young adult years. And like, you're allowed to be young for longer and longer. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. Like the millennials have embraced that, like that kind of the truth behind the mask. Like, you know, guys don't know what you're doing. None yeah. of you know what you're doing. Yeah. Whereas like, I do feel like I'm part of the, a little bit more of the generation before Tay where like, but we're supposed to pretend we do. We're, <laughs> we're grown ups now. But yeah. if we don't, then we can have video cades with bars in them. Like that's what you just, <laughs> the rise of that whole industry, like it's a bowling alley, but it has a bar. It's a video game arcade, but it has a bar. You can throw axes and it's a bar. <laughs> but I have a mortgage. I'm a grown up. <laughs> anyway, back to Debbie. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, I almost said, I almost made a joke about a 401k and then I realized I don't know what that is. So I can't make a joke about it. <laughs> I don't either. I probably missed that. I missed that day in, in my 20s where the magical adulting fairy comes around and says, no, I will tell you what a 401k is. You'll never Everyone, have yeah. one. But here we go. Everyone always talks about it like it's an adult thing. I don't even know what I'm it is. I'm not going to go over this Anyways. on a podcast because that'd be very boring. Yes. But after the show, I'll fill you both in on what a 401k is. <laughs> I will also say that our financial institutions are inscrutable to us when we're younger, barely scrutable to us as we get older, and they're intended to be that way because the whole system's weighted in favor of the rich and it needs to be All right, so rewritten. So Dodie. <laughs> so Dodie. <laughs> um, one of the things, one of the reasons, other than the fact that I love her music and she's my favorite artist, one of the reasons I picked her is because she started on YouTube. And I think that's interesting because there were no artists that you all liked growing up that started on YouTube because it didn't nope. exist. <laughs> you didn't start on the internet. Um, and I mean, even still, she's doing her own music and producing it herself. She's She didn't like sign off her music to a company. Mm-hmm. She's still producing it herself. It's still hers, but now she just is mass producing it instead of leaving it on YouTube. Which I, I looked into that because that, that was one of my questions as I was looking it up is how has she not been picked up by a yeah. label yet? Because she's, she's had some pretty big brand... Mm-hmm partnerships there yeah like she did something for coca-cola yeah so it's not like she's gone unnoticed right um she did make a comment i saw in an interview once that she found she she like dipped her toes in the industry and found it to be pretty toxic and decided to stay away from it which i do not pretend to know much about the music industry but based on my very superficial understanding i would assume is true yeah believe that yeah um that that would be my guess now that that's i've never asked her about it um (laughs) Not that close yet. Um, I don't know. I just read I, that. That would be my, my guess. research. Yeah. I read an interview. <laughs> well, I mean, in videos in the past and in interviews, she's been very candid about mental health and her personal struggles and like very open about her personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, and has talked a lot about her depersonalization and depression and anxiety. And she put a song, I think it's on this album called Burned Out. Um, that was about getting very burnt out with YouTube and with performing just because it's like, I mean, it's like you said before we started, she's been on YouTube since she was 12. Like, that's literally half of her life. 
I have to imagine that's exhausting. Yeah, awful. It sounds like you say it, and I feel tired yeah. thinking about it. Well, because it, it it you can say that you can be as open and as honest and as you on camera as you want, but at the end of the day, you're still putting it out there for other people to see, and you're still kind of performing subconsciously and having your entire life on display for anyone to go look at from when you are 12 until you're 24 like that's your whole life that's when you're doing anything important um it is a testament to her that she has been a public figure for that long yeah and has created content from an age when like to be frank we tend to do a lot of dumb things yeah yes you know and that she has avoided being canceled somehow. Yeah. I going to say, yeah. a, lot, a lot of those elder YouTubers have pretty spotty track records at this point, just because, you know, I mean. Which, that's very true. And you know what? I was thinking about this when you said that. If you look at all the other YouTubers who started around the same time, most of them have at least one scandal, one problematic moment or mm -hmm. story. But when they started, they were much older. Like, Shane Dawson started around the same time, but was in his 20s. She started and was 12 and did much better. And I think it's because, I mean, she's almost, I'm almost the same age as she is. And it's like when you're growing up around that and socialized by the internet. And when you're 12 and you're making videos that you're watching 20-year-olds make, but you're learning how to do it better. Like, you know what to not do. And also, I think she's like a good person. But I think it's interesting that, you know, she started younger right. and still made smarter choices younger than a lot of older YouTubers. Well, and I think there's still that big shift where there's a certain point where the opinion about the Internet being like an anonymous space where you can kind of do anything, get away with it versus your life's record that you will be held accountable for. Like, yeah, because you all grew up with that, like having, right. you know, profiles and having like a presence, yeah. having an identity you had to take care of whereas i think our generation kind of didn't quite get it for a while like oh no no, no that's forever <laughs> like that's part of you yeah yeah that's always um for sure yeah. no no i think that's true and i it, it's interesting because what you're kind of talking to about there is like we 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 tend to focus on all the negatives mm -hmm. of the internet and youtube and like mm -hmm. being somewhat famous on mm -hmm. the internet and all that um but there is like a flip side where like I'm not I am not saying we should all be socialized by the Internet, but having access to so many different people and thoughts and ideas sometimes if you allow it can open you up to the idea of like differences are good. Right. Diversity is good. There is a whole world out there that I am just a teeny little part of mm -hmm. and so i should keep an open mind and lead with kindness and sensitivity and openness mm -hmm. as opposed to judgment because there's clearly so much i don't know right um i'm not saying that that is the outcome yeah. more often than not but yeah. <laughs> but i guess i guess in an idealized version of the world right the internet provides you with that opportunity yeah um that is not the reality i do not think but true I also think that there's a difference between people who set out to be just famous online, like on YouTube, because then you get people like Jake Paul, who like will do anything and be ridiculous and be awful people just to get famous and have people talking about them mm -hmm. or people who see it as an opportunity to like 
create something they care about and a stepping stone towards being able to do something they're passionate about as their career which i think for a lot of youtube musicians was it that's what youtube was it was like here's a place for me to have a platform where if i get popular enough then i can make music as a living and this Mm -hmm. can be my job and that's what she's done i mean she has stopped caring about getting the most subscribers which you pointed out they're toy youtubers who are seven who have millions more subscribers than she does Mm -hmm. um ryan we're looking at you ryan yeah (laughs) but like that that wasn't her and it's not her goal it wasn't to have a bunch of subscribers and make her money off youtube it was now she is touring and making music full-time and that's her job and youtube and the platform she gained from there allowed her to do that and that's what it was for Mm -hmm. which i think is almost healthier instead of spending your entire life living for subscriber count and likes and comments and stuff. Well, and I, I don't know. Ryan's family seems pretty cool. Just to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I watch them a lot now yeah. with my children. And uh-huh. I mean, I'd hang with them. <laughs> that is true. Like, I think, you know, you mentioned that she found that the music, music industry was a little toxic, like finding a way yeah. to do what you do without entering into kind of the established, industries and having to play by their rules is really powerful i know i've seen a lot of like comic book artists that have come up just producing their own work online like Mm self-publishing comics online and you know then getting the you know kind of the backdoor entrance like getting to publish after they've already done their work and they've gained an audience and popularity right and avoiding all the stuff that would have been you know having to i don't know like come up the old school way and deal with all the old school kind of you know dumb stuff Mm mm-hmm well, and it, it speaks to the way I think we see more and more like popular culture moving into you've got to find your niche as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to make the thing that has the broadest appeal. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, YouTube or podcasting mm-hmm. or, you know, these kinds of uh, of media, this this platform, it, it's a lot easier to connect directly with the people who like what you do and have mm-hmm. to say. And like you, I mean, that's part of it. Yeah. It's about it's about For you sure. and what you do. But um, which I would think would be hard too. Yeah. Well, I mean, challenging listening to her music as someone who has watched her YouTube videos that aren't just music that are her talking about her personal life for years. I don't listen to them and just like hear a, a you know an abstract voice of a person that probably exists and has feelings and thoughts and ideas or whatever. Like I hear her songs and I can remember videos where she talked about whatever issue or heartbreak or realization led to that song. And it's like, mm-hmm. it, you feel like you know the person as you're listening to them. I mean, I went to one of her concerts, which to be fair was like three or four years ago. And it was in a really small like club type venue. And it was like everyone there was so nice. And it was like we all knew each other because we all knew all these things about the person we were watching. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just listening to music you like. It was like having a, a moment with a person, which I know even people who like will meet at live shows say that. It's like like well, that's, we're hanging out with you. It's the you intimacy yeah. yeah, of the medium, of the, the ability to not just... Um, be connected to the artist but to be connected to the people yeah who also enjoy the artist like you're, you're giving people a common language and right. creating like little families yeah you know if if people choose to engage yeah. with them they're there i mean i even felt which i think about is crazy i felt close enough to her as a person that when i went to her concert i was 15 and she had just put out a song called she which was about her 
realizing she was bisexual and she made a video coming out as bisexual and all that stuff. Um, I wrote a letter to her as my thing I wanted to give her if I met her, telling her that it was because of her music that I thought I was realizing I also was bisexual and I also was attracted to women. But I wasn't sure yet, so I hadn't told anyone. So she was the first person I told. And then she tweeted at me after she read my letter and told me she was proud of me and she was happy for me. And that was like thinking back that some YouTuber that doesn't remember me, that doesn't know who I am, but because her music made me feel close enough to her and like being so open about her personal self made me feel more comfortable being who I was, Mm -hmm. that I was able to tell her that. Like, and that she responded and, and, you know, that was just, it's so wild thinking about that. I then waited another four years to tell anyone else. Yeah. But she was the first person I told and it was because of her that I felt comfortable saying so. And I think that's, that's really cool. That is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, and it is a rare opportunity because even as we compare the music she makes and like our, our ideas of like music about young love mm-hmm. and you know the the passion that you feel and like the almost uh, obsession that you can feel with another person early in a mm-hmm. in a relationship when you're younger um all that we can find themes when we were younger but i don't i don't ever remember having a personal interaction with any of the artists yeah. that i admired or respected yeah. or and because it, it was it was it was less about them as people and more about the art they created right. and with a youtuber i yeah. think it the two are so Oh, and yeah. it's inextricable yeah i mean it's it's all one thing um i mean <laughs> for better or for worse on a on a lighter note <laughs> there are even songs that you see written before they're published like professionally um that are written like she wrote a song called i have a hole in my tooth and the dentist is shut <laughs> and it's like less than a minute long it's very short but she wrote it during i'm pretty sure like a month where she was trying to make a video every day for a month so that was one of her songs it was just very simple like i do have to go to the dentist because i yeah have a problem with the tooth so she wrote that song and then ended up you know making it professional and putting it out (laughs) on an album and um i don't know just stuff like that where it's like you can't listen to stuff like that as someone who has no idea what this person is you almost have to make an investment in them as a person as well as what they're making Mm -hmm. Which I like. And I think that's why YouTube musicians maybe don't get picked up by bigger, you know, companies, but also have such like a close knit community of listeners that will listen to everything they make always. I Whatever music she puts out, I will always listen to no matter when it is or what it is. Mm-hmm. But I, you know have a harder time convincing other people to listen to all of her music because it's like I feel like I, I know her. Well, I mean, it really is. It's about that connection that yeah. you can make that that's so much stronger than an anonymous like song that you don't know anything about the person you hear right. on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, that's. But that I, I can understand too why that could be overwhelming for her to have started. Yeah. At such, it would be overwhelming for anyone, but to have started at such a young age, right? And have so much of who you are invested in what you do. Mm-hmm. That would be tough. Yeah, I mean. To, to, to ever be able to feel like you have a separate life outside of your internet life mm-hmm. because you've because it is hardwired into who you are now. Yeah, it's also closely related. And it, and it is it is very admirable that she's been so open mm-hmm. about mental illness and treatments and yes. discussing that. I think that that is that's a very powerful thing that you can that you can do if you choose to if you're yeah. capable of doing that. Yeah. Um, to share those things and uh, normalize that. Yeah. 
when she um when she put out this album it's called human and she started a whole campaign asking people to like put on social media what makes them feel human like even all the bad things that make you like realize that you're very alive and a person um and then shared all of them which i thought was really cool mm-hmm. she shared one of mine oh. it was on a uh, it was on a big a big screen like a Times square type screen and oh she she read my name in her in her instagram story Hey, so, you know, we're basically friends. <laughs> so basically, this has been an episode about Riley's best friend. Yes. This has been an episode about my best friend and hopefully doing a whole episode about her will make her want to hang out with me. <laughs> oh, I see. There's an ulterior motive here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, if, if you haven't listened to her, I highly recommend. She has lots. She has three EPs on Spotify and iTunes and all over YouTube, all sorts of stuff. So. And I, I mean, I will say, I like the music. I think yeah. it's, I think it's good. I mean, she's I clearly find it talented. Very, soothing, very relaxing. It is. It's very relaxing yeah. music. Um, and it, I again, I, I had that moment where I thought, because for me, music is largely about lyrics. I'm a mm-hmm. person who like yeah. goes and reads the lyrics yeah. after I listen to a song because I need to connect to those. It's hard for me to listen to something that's just kind of ambient. Right. And my first thought was, it's hard for me to connect to these lyrics. And then I thought, well, but it wouldn't have been. Yeah. You know. And if right. I went back and really thought about, which I, I did recently because of that 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 article that came out recently about how bad Jagged Little Pill was. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Which I disagree with wholeheartedly. <laughs> it's excellent. It's wonderful. And I'll never say otherwise. But I will say that there are moments in the lyrics where I think that's not really where I am anymore. Yeah. You know, so... But I get it. I get it. I yeah. just, I'm really glad that whoever wrote that article felt like this this trend that we're on, which is anything that teen girls enjoy or relate to, we have to trash. So let's just go back. We missed this one in the past. So let's bring it back and rip it apart. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Let's go back and make fun of that yeah. too. No, no. I, I will always uh, refuse to believe any list of, I, I've, I saw one circulating this year, the, the most overrated movies of the last decade oh no which to be fair i looked at the list and most of the movies i hadn't seen so it was hard for me to yeah. feel any way about them but like how is the hey you know how you thought you liked this thing well you didn't how is that turns out it sucked <laughs> well, it turns out you were especially wrong it's like were you 15 and you love this thing but now you're 30 i bet you'd hate it now it's like yeah but there are lots of things i liked at 15 that i wouldn't be like this is the best thing now <laughs> yeah that's just how taste progresses article i used to eat gushers <laughs> You, you, are you throwing shade on gushers? I, I like gushers. Oh, wait a second, Sid. I'm a grunt. How are these? Are too sweet to eat. They're Look little jewels me. full of happy goo. Tay, I bet you could make a good cocktail out of them. You know, I I feel like I might have at some point in my past. At least a garnish. Put some gusher yeah. gusher goo in a yeah in gusher a drink. goo sour. I think that sounds great. Okay. Yeah. Well, I should have known better than to come for gushers. <laughs> apparently. Yeah. New, yeah. Everyone. Get out of here with that. Everyone should be free to eat gushers. You know what? Yeah. Um, what are we doing next week? Uh, so to uh to is it okay if I pick? Is it okay if I go next? Uh, yes. Sure. I'm okay. glad. Okay. Actually, <laughs> sure. I guess I don't get to say anything because I just went. <laughs> hey, listen. I'm not. If you have a if you have an idea, you no, go you for it. You seem really excited about your idea, so it's all right. Sydney has been talking about this idea I since know. before. Well, I wanted we to this episode. I wanted to that you've brought something that you care about very deeply, and we didn't really take uh, like a critical eye at it because yeah. it's 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 good music. You like it. It was more of like a. It was less influential in like the critical sense, mm-hmm. more like 
I have a lot of personal stories relating to this music. Sure. I have lots of memories associated with this music. And, and I think that, that, that we can do that on the show. And I also think we can take a piece of popular culture that was formative in a way that wasn't always great. Mm-hmm. And like, it, I, I'm not going to get into good or bad because that's so subjective. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what's good or bad. I don't know. It's whatever you like or don't like. But I thought maybe something that we could take a little more critical of a look at is the movie High Fidelity. Which I have never seen. Well, you better better watch it. Well, and uh, no, I'm gonna watch Sid, it. You weren't aware of this. I told you earlier. There is a remake that's being made where they can kind of swap all the genders around, which I think is cool. But I am curious Ooh. if they will will get into it. But how how they'll deal with that? So it's a timely timely topic you've picked. Yeah. Well, well thank you. Well, I, I I have I was a huge fan of this film for a long time. It was in my top five, which is like also a reference to the yes. film. Now I realize it was one of my top fives for a long time. It is no longer. Uh, but uh, I read the book too, which I'm not asking you all to do. I read the book several times. I was really into this. I also used to really be into John Cusack mm-hmm. when I was younger. Yeah. No more. <laughs> but uh, I, if if you would like to play along at home, we will all three be watching or rewatching, yes. as it were, High Fidelity and discussing its impact on my formative youth so- and yours both. However, you feel about it. <laughs> Um, we'll see you next year. Haha. <laughs> yeah. Next decade. Twenty twenty. Get it? Because although they're listening to this be in the new year, so that might be confusing, right? Unless it's today. No. Oh, Sydney. Oh no. Your ringer. No, it's Justin's. Sydney, how could you? I'm very sorry. It was Justin's. It's, it's <laughs> it was computer. Justin's fault. It's his fault. This, that was Justin's fault. Everyone blame Justin. Go on Twitter and yell at Justin. <laughs> for but ruining it was our, our mom podcast. calling him. So well, don't yell at our mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did it. Yes. Thank you all for joining us. Yes. Uh, thank you to Maximum Fun. I still do those things. Thank yes, you to MaximumFun.org for hosting our show. You should go there and check out all the wonderful shows for the new year that you will enjoy. Yeah. Or in a year, just you know, it's going to be a all new the years. Year, so yeah. Why not? Uh, you can tweet at us still at stillbuff. You can email us at stillbuffering at maximumfun.org. Uh, and thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Your Mind. This has been a cross generational guide to the culture that made us. <laughs> I am still buffering. And, uh, and we, we are, are two. two. Oh, we didn't I say our we names. I we were going to say our names. That's why I got confused. Oh, no. Oh, that's okay. We're still working out the we We'll do it. All right. They know who we are. Yeah. We'll do I, it better. I'm glad time. that we're still out of sync yes. with the we are too. Like, it, it, we'll maintain we are that. We literally still <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Dead Pilot Society brings you exclusive readings of comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Patton Oswalt. So the vampire from the future sleeps in the dude's studio during the day, and they hunt monsters at night. It's Blade meets the odd couple. Adam Scott and Jane Levy. Come on, Corey. 
She's too serious, too businessy. She doesn't know the hokey pokey. Well, she'll learn what it's all about. <laughs> Busy Phillips and Dave Keckner. Maybe this is family. My uncle Tell, who showed his wiener to Cinderella at Disneyland, is family. Do you want him staying with us? He did stay with us for three months. And he was a delight. <laughs> a new pilot every month, only on Dead Pilot Society for Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.